This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Excited to be jumping back into this series that we've been in called Not of This World, A Practical Guide for Uncommon Living. We've been doing a deep dive into the book of Hebrews, one chapter at a time. And today we're going to pick up where we left off with Hebrews chapter 3, verses 11, or excuse me, verses 7 through 11. And if you have a Bible, go there with me. We're going to begin today with verse 7, and it says this in the NIV. So, as the Holy Spirit says, today... If you hear his voice, you might want to underline that. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, says the Lord. Though for 40 years they saw the miracles and the signs and the wonders that I did, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. Verse 11, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now, the writer of Hebrews here picking up in chapter three is quoting from Psalm 95, and he's reminding the audience of this letter, the people of God, what would happen if they hardened their hearts against God. And he, he takes them as a reference point all the way back to the Exodus and to their 40 years of testing in the wilderness. How many of you would like 40 years in a wilderness being tested? No, don't sign me up for that gig. <laughs> and he takes them back to this to, to kind of bring their, remem- their remembrance full center with what had happened and as a result, their turning their hearts from God, they're hardening their hearts toward God, and they're struggling because of it. Jesus actually warned us as his followers that in the end times, which I believe we're living in, we would see similar things happen. He said this in Matthew chapter 29, or excuse me, verse, Matthew chapter 24, verse 9, Beginning in the NLT, it says this, then you will be arrested and persecuted and killed and you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers and many will turn away and betray and hate each other and many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Kind of sounds a lot like what we're starting to see in our culture today. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. There's the the line of hope for us today. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations, so that all the nations will hear it and then the end will come. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying many will turn away from him and begin to hate each other. Their love for God and their, their love for each other will essentially grow cold. And why? I believe because they, first a little bit at a time, and then a lot over time, begin to allow their hearts to become hardened. They begin to allow their hearts to become hardened. And as much as we should be concerned about sin and wickedness and lawlessness and deception and lust, we need to be equally concerned about our love for God growing cold. And this happens when we don't allow our hearts to become soft before him, when we allow our hearts to begin to become calcified 
toward him and toward other people. Confession time. This week I, I got on Twitter, which is never a good thing. <laughs> and I found myself instantly upset and enraged and angry and kind of sad, to be honest, just by all the things that are going on in our world today, all the, the, the injustices, all the human suffering, all of the craziness, the gender confusion, the chaos surrounding our political system and what's beginning a new political cycle for a year of election and all that. And I just found myself just feeling upset. Anybody else? Just me? And it made me mad and it made me sad. And I started to feel like, you know, what's the point, you know, of, of trying to do this, this love thing when people are just going to do what Jesus says here and betray and turn away and hate you and persecute you and hurl insults your way. But then I begin to imagine what it must be like for our creator God to see his own creation turn against him, to choose violence and hate and evil over mercy and goodness and love. And yet despite all of the atrocities that human beings commit, God still, hear me, God still in his love, in his mercy, sent his son into the world to die for it. Amen? Therefore, I began to ask myself, what excuse do I have to remain angry? What excuse do I have to be upset? What excuse do I have to allow my heart to become hard? And this is exactly what the writer of Hebrews is addressing here in chapter 3. He's trying to encourage the people of God here to not give in to sin, to not turn their backs on God, to not allow their hearts to become hardened. Title of my message today for anybody taking notes is this, Tough Skin, Soft Hearts. Tough Skin, Soft Hearts. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 through 15 goes on to say this, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage each other daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Verse 14, we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. And it's just been said today, if you hear his voice, do not Harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Tough skin, soft hearts. Now, anybody ever have a parent or a teacher or a coach tell you that growing up? You got to keep a, got to keep, you know, a soft heart. Got to have tough skin. You can't let stuff affect you, right? My parents used to tell me that all the time. They used to say, Jason, you got to have tough skin. You got to keep a soft heart. And why did they say that to me? Why, why have you heard that before? Because the world is crazy and people are crazy and it's too easy to allow our hearts to become hardened toward them and toward God, to allow our love to grow cold as it's Jesus refers to. And in the same way, I think the writer of Hebrews here is trying to caution us against seeing this reality take place in our lives like it did with the people in the wilderness. He's trying to help us develop some tough skin, but to keep a soft, pliable heart. Today, I want to look at a couple of ways that we can keep our love from growing cold and our hearts from becoming hardened. Are you with me this morning? Okay, so how do we do this? 
How do we do this? Number one today, we got to encourage one another. We've got to encourage each other. Hebrews 13 verse, Hebrews 3 verse 13, I'm a little dyslexic today apparently. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 tells us, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You guys, encouragement is huge. It's critical to the well-being and the softness of our hearts, which is why I believe everybody needs a personal encourager. Everybody needs a cheerleader. Okay, now listen, I, I grew up in a football-loving family. I played football, my son plays football, my dad played football, and my grandfather played football. He actually coached football. And uh, one of the things I love about football is the cheerleaders. Come on, dudes. Am I talking to any of you out there today? All right, listen. There are a lot of sports, but there's only, <laughs> there's only so few that have cheerleaders. Okay, baseball doesn't have cheerleaders. Swimming doesn't have cheerleaders. Golf doesn't have cheerleaders. I think it's football and maybe basketball that have cheerleaders. And what's the purpose of the cheerleader? To encourage, to encourage the players that are on the field to not give up on themselves, to not give up on their game, to not get discouraged, to not get down. And the second purpose of the cheerleader is to keep the fans and the stands engaged in the game, to not get distracted, to not give up on the players, to keep them encouraged as well. And I think that in life, as it is with football and some of these sports, we need a personal cheerleader. Some of you may be that cheerleader to somebody else. And if you are, praise God for you. But if you're somebody that gets discouraged a lot, can I just encourage you today? Sometimes you've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Oftentimes, when he was alone by himself, without all of his mighty men, without all of his entourage, without all the, the paid musicians and people that were supposed to be there to play the, the soundtrack for his life, he would encourage himself. And I believe that he learned that by being in that cave, the cave at Adullam, years before he became king, when it was just him and the Lord. Same anointing, same calling, but discouraged and ready to die. Under pressure. King coming after him, ready to kill him. You guys remember the story, for those of you that have read your Bibles? And he had to encourage himself. He had to hold fast to the promises of God for his life. When nobody else believed in him, when nobody else was there, he had to encourage himself. But this is why I believe as a church, we have this great calling to encourage one another, to be there for each other. At the root word of courageous church is this word courage. And to encourage means to give courage to others, to impart into them a word of life, a word of courage, a word of faith. And that's what we are. We're a people of faith. We're a people that look for opportunities to encourage others to love on each other, to lift each other up, to build one another up in love. This is what Courageous Church is about. It's a big part of our mission. What is our mission? It's, it's simply this, to help people become courageous followers of Jesus, to help people become encouraged as they follow Christ, as they love Christ, as they serve Christ. 
Courage is a big part of who we are and what we do, which is why we want to be faithful to encourage each other. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 11 says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. It's already assumed that as those that have the Holy Spirit in them, we're doing this. So let me ask you, are you doing this? Are you encouraging people in your life? Husbands, do you encourage your wives? I hope so. They need it. Wives, do you encourage your husbands? I hope so. They need it. <laughs> got a lot more amens on that one. But we got to encourage each other and build each other up. So what are some practical ways that we can do this? This is called a practical guide for uncommon living. So what are some practical ways that we can do this? Let's put them up there. I compiled a list of six practical ways that you encourage and can encourage others. Shoot someone a text. This is the easiest thing to do because we're all on our phones all the time. So pull out your phone right now and send somebody an encouraging text. I want, I want this to be practical today. Come on, everybody, pull out your phone right now and shoot someone an encouraging text. Let them know you're thinking about them. Let them tell, say, Pastor Jason just told me that I need to, no, don't tell them that. Just say, I, I've been thinking about you. And I'm praying for you today. You're God's best today. Come on, let's be people that encourage. Shoot someone a text. It's the easiest thing to do, I think. Number two, you can leave someone a voice memo. This means you have to hold down the button a little bit longer. <laughs> but even better than words is your voice. God's given you your only voice. I love when, when people in my life send me voice memos. Hey, Jason, I was thinking about you today, man. You are God's best. I got a personal cheerleader in my life. I love this man. He calls me after service to see how things went. And his only agenda is just to, just to encourage me. He's like, man, you're doing a great job. Like you're doing an awesome job. And, and sometimes we need to hear that. We need to hear people speak that into our lives. Number three, you can comment something positive on their social media. We use social media all the time to tear people down and to, to be critical of what they say and do. What if we took the time, every time someone posted a post on Facebook or Instagram, or Twitter, to just write something encouraging, not critical, but encouraging. Hey, that's a great thought today. Thanks for sharing. I love that picture of you. You look happy. <laughs> Number four, talk good or praise them behind their back. Now listen, people of God, we're not called to be a people of gossip, but how often do we get sucked into talking bad behind people's backs? What if we took that energy, all of that, and put it into talking good behind someone's back? I wanna challenge you today, this week, talk good about someone behind their back. Tell somebody something good about that person told you this was going to be practical today. Number five, invite them out to lunch or coffee. Some people just need that invite to know that they're loved and cared for. And number six, pray for them. One of the best things that you can do is pray. I think these are all great practical ways that you can encourage another person. So to keep our hearts soft, we need to number one today, encourage each other. And number two, we need to hear God's voice. We need to make a practice of hearing God's voice. Hebrews 3.15 goes on to say this. As has just been said today, if you hear his voice, 
Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Did you catch that? If you hear his voice, one of the chief ways that we keep our hearts from becoming hardened is by hearing the voice of God. The scriptures actually tell us in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. What Paul's getting at here is that one of the best ways for you and I to develop faith is to hear the voice of God. And I believe the primary way that we do this is by reading his word, by being people of the word, people of the book. Regarding God's word, the psalmist wrote this in Psalm 119, verse 105. He says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Jesus, in his final prayer before going to the cross, said this to the Father in John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Friends, God's word is not a truth that you get to just add to your life. And for those of you watching online, his word is the truth. It's not a truth. It's not just a great option. It's not just an alternative way of living your life. No, it is the central way that God has called you to live your life. It is the truth today. We believe this as believers, or at least I hope we still do. Amen? It is the truth. Meaning it's, it's God's word meant to speak truth into our lives. John 17, 17 here says, to be sanctified. To be sanctified is to be cleansed. It's to be made clean. It's to be made holy so that we can hear his voice. Amen? And a big reason why I think we sometimes struggle with this, you guys, a big reason why I think we sometimes struggle to hear the voice of God is because we're not engaging with the word. We're giving it very little place in our life. And instead, we're giving the world and its voice a much bigger place in our life. To illustrate this, this was a last minute impromptu grab today. But this is a little microphone, <laughs> okay? It's not a toilet roll, it's a little, it's a little speaker, <laughs> okay? And for many of us, this is what it looks like. This is God's word right here, okay? And this is us. We give God's word a, a little speaker a little presence, so we hear a few scriptures on Sunday. Come on. But then the book stays closed throughout the rest of the week. And then we wonder why we struggle to hear his voice. I just don't know what decision to make, Pastor Jason. Have you been in the Word? No, I'm busy. I got soccer practice. I got dance for my kids. I got stuff going on. I got business to run. I got a house to clean. Right? You name it. We do it. But what ends up happening is we end up keeping a, a small ear to the word. And instead, here's what happens. With everything else that we have going on in our world, we give it the loudspeaker. I'm going to try to do this with a microphone. There we go. And we're listening to all the things that the world is saying around us. Our favorite news channel, Facebook, Twitter, all the things, right? All the stuff we're giving a loudspeaker to. And then we wonder why we're depressed. Then we wonder why we're discouraged. Because the stuff that we've been listening to has been amplified by a very loud speaker, and the stuff that we're supposed to be listening to has been muted 
by a very small one. You guys get the point today? So what about you this morning? What voices are you listening to? For those of you watching this or listening to this podcast, what voices outside of mine right now are you listening to? What are you filling your heart up with? Did you notice that in the middle of your heart, H-E-A-R-T is a ear, E-A-R, right in the center. What is the ear of your heart listening to? What are you filling it up with? You ever stop to notice what voices have been given access to your heart? That's why we need to listen to God's voice. And the cool part is when we engage our hearts to hear him, he actually speaks. That's right, baby. He speaks. He speaks. He cries out. Listen to what the psalmist says, Psalm 85, 8. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak to his people. He will speak peace to his people, to his saints. That's a promise from God. He will speak to you if you allow yourself to listen. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you, God, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Jesus himself went on to say things like, pay attention to what you hear, for with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added. He would say things like, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He would say things like, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will call, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. So how do we hear God's voice? How do we do this practically today? Let's put it up there. Number one, we gotta turn off our devices. For some of you, that means silencing your cell phone, not just when you're at the movies, but throughout the week, using that do not disturb mode. I found that very helpful, to be honest. There's times where I feel super disturbed. How about you? Number two, you gotta cut out the distractions. This means getting off social media. Maybe even practicing the art of fasting. I think somebody was talking about a 21-day prayer and fast thing we were supposed to be doing, right? <laughs> you know, you can fast social media and it's just as good as fasting food. I want to encourage you to try that. Number three, carve out some quiet time. Do you have time in your life where you just, you just get quiet? Sundays at nine o'clock is a great time for that, by the way. Jen and I were in here praying today and just becoming quiet before him. So important, especially because our, our world is so noisy, as I've just illustrated, it's so loud. Number four, finding a solitary place to pray, practicing the art of secret prayer. We've taught on this in the past, but there's public and corporate prayer, which is what we do together, and then there's secret prayer, where you go in and you shut the door and you pray to your father who is in secret. And the Bible says when you do that, he will reward you openly. Do you have a secret place to pray? Do you have a quiet place to pray? Maybe for some of you, it's getting up in those mountains or maybe physically going into your closet. I don't have a walk-in closet, so I can't technically do that. <laughs> By the grace of God, someday we'll have walk-in closets. My wife prays for this all the time. Pray for her. Join with her. Release your faith right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Courage her in the Lord, you guys. We got little closets. <laughs> So maybe it's not a physical closet, but maybe there's a place that you can go to pray. For me, I like to go hike up to Ensign Peak. I like to just pray over the city and just get still before the Lord. That's a great place. There's a lot of other great places that you can do that all throughout this valley. 
find a solitary place. Number five, practice Sabbath. How's your Sabbath? How's your, your day of rest? Sabbath isn't just taking a day off. It's, it's an intentional day where you spend time with God, just listening and delighting in his presence. We try to do that every Saturday as a family where we just, we just enjoy being with each other, enjoy being with God. And I know for some of you that work on the weekends or work on that, you can't do that. So make it a Monday or make it a Wednesday or make it a Thursday. The practice that we've tried to incorporate as a church is simply this. It's threefold. It's divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abandoning annually. Can I say it again? Divert daily. That means you just, you take your attention every day off of something. You divert it from what you're doing, your work, your demands, and you do something that brings you joy, something that you can delight in with the Lord. Withdraw weekly, that's, that's a day where you can just be with him, or a half day where you can just be with him. We don't have to be legalistic about it, but the point is that you're spending time consistently and intentionally with him, where you're withdrawing every week to get with him, and then abandoning annually means you take some time to get out of Dodge, <laughs> take a vacation, get with your family or your friends or whoever it is that you like to travel with and, and get out of Utah for a bit. <laughs> Go do something fun. Amen? Divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. Number six, the best way to hear God's voice, as I've already talked about, is to read scripture. It's to get in his word. It's to engage with God's word. People of God, if we're going to live in this world and not be of the world, we've got to learn to do some uncommon things. And sadly, these things used to be pretty commonplace, but they're becoming more unusual and more uncommon to practice today. We can't be afraid to unplug. These things are, that I've listed are, are far from, from normal for most people living today, but they should be very normal for us as the people of God. Amen? So in closing, we need to double down on this stuff. We need to double down on the things that we've, I think, been living kind of in deficit of, to be honest. Things like encouragement, where we need to encourage each other and be encouraged, and hearing the voice of God on a consistent and regular basis. You guys receive that this morning? Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.